Hello everyone and welcome to episode 337 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with their owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Hey Seth, doing well. Spoiler season is finally over and uh, we have a lot of exciting news today. Yeah, we have uh. a ton to talk about this week. <laughs> so much stuff. But before we get into that, we got another co-host in Krim. How you doing this morning, Krim? Oh, absolutely. Just wonderful. <laughs> we are having the time. The, the, it is Monday. Let's go with that. Let's go with it is Monday. <laughs> so so one of our, our first topics, and we got a ton of topics today. We're going to be bouncing around. But one of our first topics is a commander banning that just happened this morning. Uh, so that's going to be topic number one. We got commander precons to talk about. Not going to do full spoiler discussion, but want to talk about them a little bit. We have a couple other smaller topics, new standards slash standard 2020 world's announcement uh, some questions we wanted to answer about the weirdest place we've played magic some fish mail so we're going to be all over the place today which means i guess we should probably jump right into it start getting through these topics so first off we got a big announcement today featuring the commander format richard what's changing in commander all right commander advisory group released an update uh, one, clarifying dungeons are perfectly fine in Commander. We, that's to be expected. But the big news is Hull Breacher is banned. Uh, uh. Their specific reason is that they did not like the offensive capability of Hull Breacher and Mass Draw effects, such as wheels. So Hull Breacher wheel, they did not like. And they keep, they're keeping Notion Thief, Narset, uh, those kind of cards in the format because they think... Uh, they're not played too much and there's the appropriate restrictions on them. Uh, so Hall Breacher banned in Commander. Krim, how, uh, how do you feel about Hall Breacher being banned in Commander? <laughs> well, if we're just taking requests, right, at this point now, um, I'd also just like, you know, since the CAG is just picking stuff off randomly, uh, that are unnecessary, uh, then why don't we ban Sakura Tribe Scout Elder? Uh, forests should be banned. Uh, ramping should be banned. Uh, so, you know, like, like at, at this point, I, I take it that, uh, yeah, well, th- these are all things that are also going to probably get banned then, right? Because I find them problematic, uh, you know, so <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, I think this is totally unnecessary. I don't understand. <laughs> why this card is banned when legitimately it has never been or like like i i i don't even think it's offensive at all and and i am somebody that would play this card and i get that but the reasoning behind why i play that is because i think these effects are great in multiplayer games because gotcha cards are great in multiplayer games and i think the the farther that we the more we remove gotcha cards and things like this um Let's just say teaching a new friend when they're playing Commander or something like that. You, you want to teach them like, hey, this is these are cards that are annoying that you can probably play around uh, or you need to learn to play around or whatever. Uh, and and when we start removing those cards away uh, from people uh, and like whatnot, it just kind of makes it so that people don't play around anything. And and we've all, we're only now furthering this mentality of don't worry, you don't need to play anything. I'm just going to rule zero. So at this point. Like I, I do, I do think that after a certain point, we're just gonna 
no no one is going to play around anything and if and if it's even slightly problematic it's only going to further the the men that this this issue where i think people get really upset at people for playing cards that they might enjoy or a certain play style because you know like it inconveniences them and and i don't know i i'm not a fan of that i'm not a fan of that i i think yeah like that that's bad news bears because soon counter spells will be banned uh and whatnot at that point right so so okay counterpoint and i i'm on the very opposite side where i love this banning I don't know how you play around Hullbreacher Wheel. Like, flash in Hullbreacher on tap, untap wheel, win the game. Like, how do you play around that? That's not like, oh, you got greedy and you cast a big Sphinx's Revelation and I got you or something. That's like what you're building a deck around. So I actually really agree with the kegs reasoning for this banning like hating on card draw is fine as much as i like drawing cards i think that's healthy and good but the offensive capabilities of hull breacher where you see it being these hull breacher wheel decks and the amount of redundancy those decks have i think that's a a really miserable play pattern i've compared it before to like Mass land destruction, where you like do this thing that essentially takes all your opponents out of the game, but it doesn't actually win you the game. So then the game continues for a bunch of turns and all your opponents are really sad and salty because they don't have any hands to play magic with. And it actually just ends up being a really miserable experience. So I think I, I hope that if Wizards wants to design cards like this before, I think there's ways to design them where they would achieve the goal of hating on excessive card draw, but without being excessive combo pieces. Like, uh, I think Ashiok might be a good example. Ashiok specifically says if a, uh, let me let me get the actual text here so I say this properly, but if it's essentially uh, if a spell or ability your opponents control uh, spells or abilities your opponent's control can't cause their controllers to search their library. So you can't play an Ashiok and Field of Ruin someone and be like, I gotcha, because that's offensive. Ashiok's worded to be defensive. Like, it shuts down the searching, but you can't really combo with it. I think if you did the same thing with Hullbreacher, and if it said, if a, you know, a, a spell or ability your opponent's control would cause them to draw a card other than the first one they draw each turn, you get treasures instead. I think even that slight tweak would probably fix the problem, because then you can still play Hullbreacher as a hate card and shut down people's card draw and you can still even get people with it if you flash it in in response to a blue sun zenith or something but it would take away the negative part in my opinion of the card which is the Hullbreacher wheel play pattern which is just oh I that's my least favorite play pattern in all of commander so I'm happy to see it gone but I do think there's a way that they could print fixed Hullbreacher style cards that are not combo pieces and are just card draw hate so I'm 50-50 on this. I, I don't know which who should I be friends with today, Seth or Krim. <laughs> uh, I, I'm very impartial to this, but I, I just want to say I find these reasonings like very inconsistent. Okay, so I agree with Seth that like uh, Hull Breacher Wheel is not a good play pattern, right? We don't want that. But the card they should get rid of is the wheel, not the mm. denying card draw, right? Like nothing good has ever come from a wheel. Either you wheel and empty everyone's hand with Notion Thief, Hall Breacher, you wheel because you're storming off and you win, or you wheel because you're Mr. Moneybags with a, a Wheel of Fortune, right? Like there's so many downsides to wheels. Like what is the upside of having wheels in the format? So if they want to get rid of this interaction, they should just get rid of the wheel part. But I think they're actually getting rid of the fairway, right? Like, 
We say the fair way is fine. Like if you Sphinx's Rev into my open mana and I get you the Hull Breacher, that's fine. But like most casual players will be beyond salty about it and they'll rage quit the game. Like, I think that is the one they're trying to fix without saying it. Because if we're talking about like two card toxic combos that are too high powered for casual play, there's there's so many of them. Yeah, yeah, right? There's so many of them, like Thassa's Oracle, Demonic Constellation. You're like, oh, that doesn't affect casual because you know not to run it, right? You should also know not to run Narset Wheel in your casual <laughs> deck, right? Like, so I don't buy that argument. Like, I just think a lot of people don't like the actual Hull Breacher part of it, right? Where yeah. if I draw three cards, you get me the Hull Breacher, right? I think they're trying to hit that part as well, not just the combo part. Because if it's a combo part, I think wheels are better to get rid of. And we have so many, like, game-ending combos for two cards in, in Commander, right? So, so I don't know. This is a little weird one. I, I don't care either way, but I wonder I wonder how this will go. Because I don't think Wizards will stop printing Hull Breachers, right? Like, they that that seems to be a new cool thing that they're, they're doing. So, like, what, like, the RC can keep banning it? Why is Notion Thief fine? Why is Narsat fine? I don't know, right? But uh, consistency. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah, I mean, the, the keg is not very consistent, or the rules committee. Like, we've talked about that many times before. So, I think that is a, a fair criticism. Although, I will say, Holbridge, I think, is the best of the bunch. Like, Narset dies. Um, Notion Thief, you got to be in two colors, and it's four mana. So if you were going to try to, like, power down the Hull Breacher wheel play pattern, I think that Hull Breacher is the, the most efficient and powerful of the bunch. So I don't know. If you don't want to kill it outright, I also strongly agree with, uh, disagree with banning wheels. I think that wheels have a lot of fair uses. Like, I feel like 90% no of the wheels that... Like, 90% of the wheels that I've cast in Commander is like, oh, I'm playing Red or Boros, and I don't have much card draw, and this is like, oh, I go from, you know, two cards in hand back up to seven cards in hand after I played all my horrible red stuff. Like, that's that's most of the wheels that I've cast in Commander, so maybe I'm the exception, and everyone else is using them in much more, like, unfair ways, but I cast them as card draw spells very often. That's like saying Krim plays Hull Breacher the fairway. He doesn't offensively wheel us. <laughs> he just flashes it in, into, in response to your Sphinx's Ram, right? Like, legit. <laughs> so many lines of play are like, you know, I'm Spell Slinger, I have mana, I wheel, I, I just keep drawing my entire deck, right? It's like someone playing the fair extra turn card. Yes, I'm sure someone has done it, but most likely they're chaining through extra turns and winning the game. Right, you're gonna underworld breach back your wheel and wheel some more and wheel, wheel, wheel. Like, and, and it's just so expensive. Like, they're they're very expensive, and I don't know. I just feel like, how do you stop? So maybe I'm agreeing with Krim too much because I've been playing control on Commander Clash. Right, like <laughs> if you get someone with Hull Breacher, it means that they were about to pop off. Right, if, if someone like is playing into a Hull Breacher and is gonna get salty, it means they're about to draw like five cards. Right? Like, they're popping off, but everyone's fine with that. But I can't play a Hull Breacher to pop off with five treasures and stop their spell? Like, what's wrong with that? Like, I, I don't know, right? It's like, nah, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I know when we were making the ban list for this season of Commander Clash, we actually had a pretty big conversation about these effects. And I think that what finally ended up getting them banned this season is me and Tomer both came down on the this side of them being essentially combo pieces i think that's where we both landed like we were fine with people playing those cards without wheels like if you want to play those cards and not have wheels in your deck i think even though we both 
strongly dislike that play pattern, we are fine with it. So I maybe, maybe you're right that wheels are the problem, but wheels have been around so much longer and are so much more ingrained uh, to some extent, like banning Wheel of Fortune seems like banning like Soul Ring or something to me. But like, no should it be Wheel banned? Probably, you're, but. <laughs> you're just banning Wheel of Misfortune. Like, how many people actually play with Wheel of Fortune, right? How many people can, can you know, own that card and play it? Yeah, I guess the price is, that is something that would keep people from playing. Right, I guess we but, have Magus of the Wheel too, right? Like the, yeah. <laughs> I guess those are the, the predominant wheel effects. You have right? like, well, you also. The Miracle one. Yeah, you have the mir- Reforge oh, yeah, the Reforge. Soul. You have Days Undoing. Uh, you have stuff like there's that. actually a lot. Yeah, there's time like twister win, win legal fall. for some reason. Windfall, yeah. yeah, windfall. But like, all, I I would I'm very much so in the camp of just getting rid of the wheels. Like, just get rid of how, the wheels. Then how about? I mean, I I I want my wheels, but at least get rid of both. Like, if we do have to go down this horrible horrible path of banning wheel of fortune, at least ban the hull breachers too, just to, on principle. <laughs> Well, if it's on principle, then a lot of things go on this list, right? <laughs> then it's like like ninety percent of the card pool goes now, right? Because I, the, the, you not only that, you then take out like Ristic Study, you also take out like you know Greater Good, you take out you know every bit of you know I I, I think a lot kind of just goes out the window here. Yeah, they're not supposed to ban on power level, right? That's the the CAG's official stance. There's no power level that bannings. Is. This is just play pattern and funness banning. But but I mean like like a miserable play pattern then is like, well, like like the, I, <laughs> yeah. I think I mean, if it's miserable too powerful, is relative. It's a miserable play pattern, right? Yeah. Right. Like and, and and it's like, "Oh, well, I don't have graveyard hate, so I hate graveyard decks. I think that's a miserable play pattern." If that's, you know what I mean? Like that's how I'm looking at this. So it's like, "Oh, well, some people just Got a little too salty, and and you know what that means? It's on the ban list. <laughs> you should join the commander advisory group. I, oh, I, I feel it's all green players there. Yeah, like <laughs> Maybe we get some blue players on there. We will, we will, we'll get some more balance to the color pie. <laughs> you might literally get balance if I'm on the keg. <laughs> Oh, I do not know if I'd want Krim on the <laughs> after playing Commander Clash with him for a while. That scares me. <laughs> All right, one one more question, then we better we better move on to other topics because we got a ton. They mentioned Narset. They mentioned Notion Thief and said we're not banning them, but we're going to be keeping an eye on them or something to that effect. Do you think those cards are going to? Let's say in the next year or two do you expect those cards to get banned or do you think this is it hull breacher's gone we're good now i i think there's going to be a lot more that people are going to try to complain about i think they'll eventually get to opposition agent i think they'll eventually get to like just pretty much anything that slightly inconveniences people soon it'll be ghost quarter (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually think of all the gotcha hate cards. Hall yeah. Bre- oh, not Hall Breacher. Opposition Agent should have been higher uh, in terms of saltiness. But I don't know. Like, there, for some reason, like, Narset is a planeswalker. It's hard to deal with. But you can attack to kill it. It's sorcery speed. But it has all the same toxic play patterns. So I, I don't know, right? Like, where do they make this determination that Narset is safe enough? Or, like, say, Notion Thief. That one black mana makes the difference and it's now safe like i don't know how they make this determination uh but most likely i think these cards will be safe because wizards will print more broken cards like they'll make a hull breacher <laughs> 2.0 for everyone to get up in arms about so i hope so. these old cards are safe i legitimately yeah, I, hope so 
that would be kind of funny if there was a little battle between wizards and the the CAG where they like ban a card and then wizards like functionally reprints it with a different name and they just keep going back and forth like that. <laughs> uh, all right, we gotta we gotta move on. We also got our commander precons. So there are what four of them coming alongside Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. We got to preview one of them over on the Commander YouTube channel, MTG Goldfish Commander. So check that out on the Commander Clash podcast. Otherwise, Richard, uh, what do, what do we get out of this Commander release? Um, I don't know that we got anything we didn't know. So we, there are four <laughs> decks. Uh, we have our deck, which was Prosper Tomebound, the Rakdos Exile Matters deck. Uh, we have a Bant Aura of Courage deck, which is like a Aura Equipment deck. We have Dungeons of Death, uh, Esper Dungeon deck, and then Draconic Rage, which is a Gruul Smash Dragons deck with lots of dragons in it. Uh, so those are the four decks. So the code for this is AFC, uh, Realms Forgotten Commander. And uh, they're available uh, when Forgotten Realms releases. And uh, they're obviously going to be legal in Commander, but the the cards that are unique to the set are not legal in Standard. Uh, but there are some reprints shared between Forgotten Realms and AFC. Yeah, I mean, I think the decks look pretty sweet. There isn't anything that jumped out to me as being like, oh my goodness, that's so broken. I don't think we have another Hull Breacher yet. Got to give it a, a couple more precons to uh, to get that. But there was some really interesting stuff, uh, some cool legends. I feel like they did a pretty good job with the power level in designing unique commanders rather than just busted commanders. So you can see them all over on mtgpreviews.com. Uh, yeah, uh, interesting. Krim, any commander precon thoughts? Uh, I... I like the, I mean, the Esper one. I, I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, but, but okay, okay. I mean, like, that's kind of expected, right? Like, of course I thought that one would be cool. <laughs> it's, but like, uh, are we, like, without going too in depth, I'm just going to say that I really, really like the, uh, the, the, the zombie, the zombie weapon. Uh, and I love, I love zombies in, in Commander, so. Lots, lots of flavor. There's stuff a here. there is a cool zombie equipment. There's also a cool like attacking Panormonicon commander, which might be my new favorite card. I feel like Wizards designed Wolfgar like specifically for me because they know I love Panormonicons, but I've also been turning into an aggro player, so now I can <laughs> have my Panormonicon and still be aggro if I build a Wolfgar uh, deck. So that card's that card's super sweet. I'm super excited to build that one. But yeah, we also got speaking of uh, of Dungeons and Dragons, Joe. Uh, Dyer, who does This Weekend Legacy, who does Vintage 101 on the site, actually wrote a D&D adventure themed on Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. It's called The Golden Fish. It features uh, a bunch of like characters that maybe you would know, and I think like Krim and I and Tomer and Richard show up in there. So if you're interested, you can find it over on the website. You can uh, download it for free on DMs Guild uh, and play through the adventure if you want to. So definitely pretty interesting. Got some awesome art from Adriana, who does all of our thumbnail art. So if you're interested in kind of a little bit of a crossover between magic and dungeons and dragons could be a interesting thing to check out uh let's uh, let's jump into standard we haven't talked about standard yet so we just got the release of adventures in the forgotten realms uh, about a week ago it's not out in paper i know richard you mentioned you've been playing a bit of standard on magic online is adventures in the forgotten realms doing anything in standard 
Okay, so disclaimer, okay? I've, I've given up on Magic Arena. I, 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 I'm pulling back the credit card. I'm like, what is the point of Arena? I'm just going to play on Magic Online where I can use uh, loan programs to flex around different decks, right? I don't want to be locked into a deck, especially if I want to play Forgotten Realms cards, which look a little underpowered. I don't want to waste my wild cards on them. So disclaimer, this may not be the same meta that everyone else is playing because it's just like old, bitter people on Moto playing each other. But <laughs> I, I played a league of standard. It fired, okay? I, I was a little <laughs> concerned that the matches would not fire, but I played through perfectly fine. I did not see a single Forgotten Realms card anywhere in any of my opponent's decks throughout the entire league. Uh, I was playing White Weenie. It was bad. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what the list should be, but it was not good. But, you know, it was just, here is uh, Edgewall Innkeeper, and here is Value Train, and uh, here's some Rogues, and here's some Yorion, and it's just same old standard. I didn't see a single new card anywhere. And from what I've been hearing on the interwebs, it seems to be a very common experience with the Forgotten Realms. I'll have you know, I I've played against it a lot. I don't know what you're talking about. I've seen the creature lands. <laughs> uh, okay. okay, that's something. <laughs> okay, maybe maybe it's just me forcing all these cards too. By the way, uh, like I I've played against like you know the the a few of the dragons. Um, mostly just the, like the blue one, Imerith or Emirith. And I think that's actually about it. <laughs> yeah, never mind. I, 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 I'm, yeah, okay. I haven't seen much of this set on the ladder whatsoever. <laughs> and I think this is backed up by the actual data. So we haven't had a ton of like huge tournaments yet, but we did have a challenge on Magic Online, which is a pretty, by Magic Online standards, a fairly high EV event. And if you look through the top 32 of that event, as Krim mentioned, you'll find a few scattered creature lands like, oh, Rogues throws in a Hall of the Storm Giants or whatever. And that's fine. You see a couple power word kills in removal slots, but really, there isn't anything that I would consider a Forgotten Realms deck. There's no like new archetype built around those cards. And for the most part, decks are kind of completely unchanged or maybe like have a very, very slight taste of Forgotten Realms in the utility slot. So, yeah, I feel like Adventures in the Forgotten Realms pretty much has fallen flat in standard. We're going to have to wait until rotation for it to really have a chance to do anything and that probably doesn't bode super well for its chances in older formats either i know me and Krim were doing our top 10 for modern uh, <laughs> recording in a few days ago i think it just went up and for the first time in years we were actually kind of like man i'm having a bit of difficulty making a top 10 list like yeah. once you get past the like top five or seven cards you're kind of in the back to like the well maybe in a sideboard sometime in a certain meta type of cards <laughs> rather than like a lot of past sets we would have 10 plus cards we'd have 10 and we'd feel like oh we got another five or ten that we could easily you know put onto this list and we think we'll actually have a chance of seeing play so it does feel very very powered down the good news is they're doing a queue on Magic Arena 
of standard 2022, which is basically post-rotation standard, have either of you been experimenting with this uh, fake, I guess I would say, format? Because technically we don't have Innistrad yet, so this isn't real post-rotation standard because we're a set short, but it is standard without a lot of the stuff that people are ready to see leave, like Eldorain and Ikoria, so it is a bit of a breath of fresh air in that sense. Uh, have either one of you tried standard 2022? Oh, yes, I have and uh i i think i think the format is fun it, it gives you a little bit of a teaser of what rotation is going to be like and i'm excited to see this coming however i do think the format is i mean well it is just objective like, it is just not complete and you can tell because there are some things that are just too broken right because uh like like creature lands are absurd <laughs> creature lands are absurd and then on top of that we in in that format though you are experiencing uh ranger class uh you see paladin class you see a lot of forgotten realms so um I, you know that that's a good thing that bodes well for rotation i'm really excited for that how and we're when um, let's also just make sure that it's known that i think we kind of all knew this was coming right that that forgotten realms all these sets strixhaven they were they're really a non-factor in standard um, and, and, and also to kind of lightly touch up on what Seth had mentioned about the modern top 10 video, I, I couldn't, to be honest with you, I was, I was reaching for anything past the third, the third card. <laughs> like you were like five to seven. I would say I was struggling after the top three because <laughs> this set is very low power. Lots of fun. I mean, I do think this set is a lot of fun. Um, and, and yeah, so standard 2022 specifically has, has definitely given me a taste to that. And I really, really cannot wait to see what Innistrad brings. Um, I hope we have some kind of field of ruin or maybe some kind of ghost quarter effect, anything along those lines. Uh, also mana bases losing, you know, as much as we hated Eldrain, we are forgetting that we are losing out on some really, uh, fun stuff and some interesting stuff. Like losing out on the triumphs feels kind of bad. Um, losing out on, you know, uh, um, what's that card? Oh, like, like extinction event, triumphs, just lots of stuff in Ikoria that I didn't really think too much of because oftentimes it got overshadowed by Eldrain cards that are just leaving. And I'm kind of sad to see some of them go. I'm not sad to see cards like, let's just say Yorion, uh, stuff like that go, but like, did you all, did you know that, that like Ikoria actually has more than like eight cards? <laughs> I, th I thought it had 10 the companions and that yeah, was yeah. i guess maybe the ultimatum so 15 and that, yeah. that was about it <laughs> see like i was like i was like deck building on stream and i'm like oh well why don't we just get extinction event wait where's all my triumphs oh well it's fine we'll just call it to the call the death dweller and, and then i realized wait none of these cards are here i'm like where's heartless act is my thing broken <laughs> and i didn't and I, I really didn't realize how much we are losing like you i i, I know that it is kind of sad but like even even cards like fire prophecy which would be really cool or or narset or general kudro there, there's a lot in this set that was actually pretty cool just got overshadowed by the fact that companions existed and that eldrain existed 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I'm super hyped for rotation, but you are right. There are some, uh, we talk about like the newer sets being overshadowed by the busted stuff from Eldraine and Ikoria to some extent, but there is stuff from those sets that never really got a chance to sign, uh, shine because it just wasn't as pushed as the other stuff. I think that standard 2022, I definitely agree that you can tell it's not a real format. The mana bases are a little wonky. Uh, land, creature lands and like land based combos are insane. Like the exalted D. A combo deck with Faceless Haven is pretty busted when you don't have a good way to answer a land. So you can you can get some weirdness there because presumably we're gonna get more dual lands when we go to Innistrad and we're gonna get you know a replacement for Extinction Event or whatever. Like those cards will probably come in the next set and we'll have them for standard proper. On the other hand, I've really enjoyed playing standard 2022. Like it's very diverse. All the cards that I've been waiting to leave rotation are gone. So you don't got to worry about Lovestruck Beast or Bone Crusher Giant or getting Yarion or Ultimatum or whatever. And people are doing a lot of really cool things. So even though it's kind of a fake format, it's given me a ton of hope for post rotation. Like it seems like things currently are pretty balanced. So unless Innistrad comes out and really throws everything out of whack, I feel like we might be heading for a pretty diverse and fun, if not super push standard. I think the power level is going to be lower, but I would gladly accept a lower power level where you have a bunch of playable decks that are roughly on equal footing than a higher power level and having to deal with Okos and Emergent Ultimatums and all the miserable Love Struck Beasts, all the miserable stuff from the past year. So playing standard 2022, even though there is weirdness, it's got me even more excited about what standard might be like in a couple of months when we finally hit rotation. Uh, anyway, before we get into our next topic, Richard, we have a sponsor today. Why don't you uh, tell everyone a little bit about them? All right. Today's show is brought to you by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Uh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. And you can skip out on trips to the grocery store and have easy, fun, and affordable home cooking. So maybe you're playing you know, your latest Dungeons & Dragons campaign, possibly the Golden Fish found on mtggoldfish.com. And uh, you, you, you don't have too much time to be cooking you know, elaborate dinners and stuff like that, right? You want quick and easy meals, uh, which HelloFresh has you covered uh, with 15 to 20 minute recipes. They have 50 menu and market items each week, including ready to eat salads, sandwiches, and soups. Uh, my favorite meals so far are the beef bulgogi meatballs, Yes, I've seen the comments. Yes, I actually cook them and eat them. And yes, they're good. Uh, so it's quick and easy and everything was made in my oven. Uh, so thank you to HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit for sponsoring our show. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Goldfish14 and use the code Goldfish14 for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. Once again, that's HelloFresh.com slash Goldfish14 with the code Goldfish14 for 14 free meals. So thank you, HelloFresh. So moving on, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about worlds and uh, wizards taking a lot of money out of the prize pool. They promised a million dollar prize pool and then they just kind of snuck into a article uh, $250,000 prize pool for worlds. And there was a huge uproar. Pros were upset. The community was upset. Everyone was kind of upset about this. But... A few days ago, Wizards published another article about the upcoming World Championship. Richard, what did this article have to say? All right. Uh, they are adding a $50,000 appearance fee for players <laughs> who, who play at Worlds. So if you do the math, uh, there's 16 players. 
so the the total prize pool is now one million fifty thousand. Uh, so greater than the original one million dollars. And uh, I guess the important thing here is is flat. It's just an appearance fee. So no matter how well or poorly you do, you get the fifty k. Uh, but yeah, so that happened. My question to you guys is: This a response to the community outrage, or is this just poor marketing by wizards and they always had this in the in the plans? <laughs> either either actually seems possible, knowing wizards because their marketing <laughs> sometimes is not great, and we have also seen them make decisions and then backtrack based on community outrage. I would lean towards in this case. It probably being wizards backtracking to community outrage. Uh, I mean, it's kind of in some sense a free roll that you stick the two hundred fifty thousand in there, and everyone's already kind of like, well, you know, pro magic's dead, whatever. Maybe it just kind of slips through, and no one makes a big deal about it, and then you save yourself seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. So my guess is it's more like double wild cards in historic, where wizards would have accepted the lower prize pool if the community did not freak out about it but maybe they knew in the back of their minds if there was a freak out they had this fallback plan so i don't know what do you think do you think there's a chance they actually were doing the right thing the whole time and they just didn't tell anyone and led to a two-month freak out or a month-long freak out before they actually published the article i mean i i i don't know <laughs> that's the problem like it's much like how we had mentioned earlier I don't know if they planned this or if this was this seems more like a reactionary thing. It it feels that way, right? So I I I I think this has to do with entirely just everybody uh and in the backlash that's kind of come come with the the announcements that they've made. Yeah, I, I think it's the backlash. Like, if they, let's say they actually planned it, and then you know, for they they updated the prize pool without updating this part. When the backlash happened, they would have just been, "Hey, uh, we forgot the second part of the announcement, which is this 50k appearance <laughs> fee." The fact that it took so long meant that they had to go back and think about it and be like, "Okay, yeah, we can do this, right?" Bob, so. where's the rest of the announcement? It didn't post. <laughs> oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't I know mean, what this means, though. Does this mean they're going to keep Pro Magic alive, or does this mean they're just going to have an announcement at the end of this world to say, "Hey, yo, next year, two fifty k." Like, I'm going to put it out here a year in advance, so you can't uh, blame me for anything. We'll, we'll by that point, we'll definitely know, right? Like, because then it's like, well, if they're like, "Oh, two hundred and fifty k this year." Okay, last year's announcement was just the reaction to the backlash. <laughs> <laughs> I I wouldn't read too much into it as far as the future of organized play. I think it's a it's a weird situation, so I wouldn't I wouldn't take it to mean anything in that regard. And also, I know when I mentioned this on Twitter, some people are like, "Well, Wizards like messed up here." So you don't want to like praise them when they, you know, they're the ones that messes up to begin with. And I think I can see what people are saying there, but given the choice between Wizards not paying what they promised and paying what they promised i think that doing the right thing eventually is better than them continuing to do the wrong thing so i'm mostly just happy that the players who like spent time and effort qualifying for this are actually going to get the money they were expected and expecting and the money they were promised and in some ways this is probably even better i think i would assume as a pro magic player you'd rather have $50,000 guaranteed and $250,000 prize pool than 
you know, a 500,000 going to the winner of worlds or something and having a chance that you show up and essentially go home with very little. So this might actually be even better for the players in the long run. It is just disappointing that it took so long and so much complaining and so much backlash from the community to get there. Wizards probably should have had the foresight to know this would have happened and headed it off, you know, before rather than waiting until people freaked out for a couple of months. But in the end, I think it is it is a good thing. So uh, it would have been nice if they got there quicker, but I'd rather them get there eventually than not get there at all. Wait, I, not to sidetrack us, but do you guys know how pro magic actually works? Like what if they had a top heavy uh, prize pool, like winner takes like half a mil. Do they split? <laughs> like, do all players come in with the agreement that they split? Like kind of like when you play a big tournament. Uh, like top eights and stuff usually aren't played out. They're just actually split and you're just playing for like fun. Like, does that happen at like pro magic at the highest levels? Does everyone go into worlds like with the agreement they split the prize pool and, and that or do they actually play it out and the winner actually takes home all the money? That's a good question. I actually have have no idea. I'd have to ask a pro on that. Uh, I don't know. Or is this a dirty secret of magic that we're not supposed to talk about? Like I, concessions yeah. and draws and, and things like that. I, because, I, you know, so, the first time I top eight a big event, they're like, you want to split up? Like, what? I came here to crush nerds. What are you talking about? They're like, oh, everyone's going to split. <laughs> I'm like, huh? I, I don't think it's a dirty thing though, because it's a it's a well, pretty well accepted thing in poker as well, where you can like sell shares of your winnings essentially to to uh, minimize your risk essentially. Uh, so I don't think it's a dirty thing either way. I just have no idea how much it happens. I've certainly heard of you know uh, playtesting groups having deals like that with each other or friends, but I have no idea if like all the sixteen players at Worlds just agreed to split up the money anyway. Like theoretically, I guess that's possible, but I've I've never heard that. What about you, Krim? Have you heard anything about that? Not really, but but I guess, I don't know. I mean, the idea of just like also talking about splits has always been awkward. Because um, like back when I was like judging, like just anybody starts talking about prizes, um, it, it, you kind of just have to like listen to that talk because the wording could get very dicey. <laughs> I, I, I think I had to like, I've had to like, dq somebody just for even bringing up like something that sounded like uh like it, it's hard I, I it's either as simple as the wording is would you like to split or not yes or no and and i don't know how this goes into like bigger events and with a bigger prize pool so i i actually just don't know either like this just seems like one of those gray area things all right so moving forward <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw this over the weekend. Hunter Pence, uh, MLB, Major League Baseball, former player, World Series champion, now Magic streamer, went to a uh, celebrity softball game with a bunch of like pro baseball players. I saw CC Sabathia there and a bunch of like well-known athlete, uh, athletes, and he went with a, a bit of bling uh, as a necklace. What was his bling, Richard? <laughs> Uh, it was a necklace with a uh, graded uh, black lotus sitting on it. And I believe you said it was a nine, Seth, a nine, which would put it in at half a mil. Um, yeah, that's the that's the, the estimates I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's literally just wearing a magic card on a chain <laughs> in, in a, in a non-magic event, right? That's the more shocking part. It's just it's, like random people, right? It's like, yeah, the, here he is. It's so sick. The, the, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, the funny thing is, I bet it's like some of the most expensive bling there too. Like you probably see these big like diamonds and chains and stuff. The Black Lotus is probably worth as much or more than most of it. Krim, would you ever, would you wear a magic card as bling? Would you wear a magic card necklace? Oh, one thousand percent over. I am in love. <laughs> with hundred pences uh like like bling here i i would do that but of course the card i would do that with is nowhere nearly as valuable mine would just be like snapcaster mage or something like that just because i love it uh but and but but yeah like i i think the idea of of necklaces with just magic cards graded is perfect i want to see more of that I, I think it's kind of hilarious, too. Maybe maybe this will be the start of a new trend. I'm also curious if he wore it in the actual game. I would be very nervous about playing a a even a celebrity softball game, which isn't like the most competitive event with a half a million dollars worth of cardboard flying around my neck as I like run the bases or try to go catch the ball or whatever. So I would <laughs> I don't know if I would do that. I'm hoping he took it off before playing the game. It'd probably be even funnier if he was just like running around playing the outfield with the <laughs> the Lotus flopping in the breeze behind him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, I, I would love to see that. Just the, the imagery of somebody running <laughs> with, a, with a black lotus just flopping around their neck. What, what about you, Richard? What do you think of magic bling? Would you do it out in public at a non-magic event? That's the that's the criteria. Sure, GP, that's one thing. Uh, a wedding or something. Would you show no. up with, with that as your... <laughs> no, what am I? <laughs> what? <laughs> You'd have to field all these awkward questions all day. I try to look normal in public. I, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, if I was trying to make a statement, this is how you make a statement, right? Like, can you can you imagine just like showing up somewhere with this? And you're like, how much is that card? Oh, it's five cents. It's the latest uh, secret lair drop. You can get it at secretlair.com. <laughs> I like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't want to carry half a million dollars on my neck. What if someone actually recognizes what it is and like beats me and takes it and runs off, right? Like that's that's insane, right? <laughs> yeah, there there is risk there for sure, yeah. <laughs> well speak oh good. <laughs> oh no, my dog also agrees that 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 is sweet. <laughs> yep. So speak so speaking of magic, showing up in weird places, I, I had a graduation party this weekend, and uh, I went to the graduation party. I, I mentioned before, I, there was a big sale on Ikoria Commander decks, so I bought them at a really good price, and I took out like the free spells and a couple of their value boo cards, and I was going to ship them all to my little nephew, and my little nephew was going to be at the graduation party, so I brought them to give them to him, and I wasn't planning on playing Magic, it's a graduation party, uh, but he said he wanted to play a game, and then next thing you know, random strangers who I'd never met and had no idea played Magic were like, hey, I got my decks in the car, like, let me get in on this, and next thing you know, we played a few commander games, like, on a picnic table at this graduation party, and it was actually it was actually super fun and actually super funny like one of the one of the kids that i didn't know that played with us uh he he in the first game he mulliganed down to four and i was like oh we're just you know playing for fun like draw back up to six and he's like no i'm good it's like that's a little bit strange and then on turn two he treasure hunts and draws 70 cards and he was playing a 96 land cherix deck with treasure hunt mnemonic wall and thassa's oracle and like uh ways to get it back from the graveyard so the idea is you just like mull the treasure hunt and do those shenanigans and win with the oracle and then he actually won on 
like turn five. And of course, my little nephew never seen Thassa's Oracle before, thought he cheated and got like really upset and thought he was cheating because Thassa's Oracle does seem a little bit like cheating if you've never seen an alt win condition like that before. But that got me thinking, what's the weirdest place you've ever played Magic? We all play at LGSs, at home, you know, at local game stores, at GPs. Have you ever played Magic in some weird, very non-Magic-y place? <laughs> oh, I'm thinking, I, I think I have, uh, I mean, I think it was mostly like when I was on, on, on the road, I, I think we would kind of just like play it, uh, back when I did music and we were touring, I think, uh, the other guitarist and I, we played magic. I guess it's not like a weird spot, but it's not your typical spot in that we set it on our van's bench. As the van was like driving and it's like not like 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 when it was before we got bumped up to Sprinter or like a bus or anything like that. We're talking about the like white van and 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 like we were just playing on the middle bench and I think we had to like tell the drive like we were telling I forgot who was driving. I think it was our, our drummer or, or something like that. Yo, hey, stop driving as fast. The cards are bouncing around. <laughs> slow down. You're messing up my magic. Yeah, slow down. We're playing magic back here, all right. Oh. So, uh, I, I, oh, that's great. I, I think that's probably gonna be one of the spots. Oh, what a, what about you, Richard? Weirdest oh, place you played magic? You guys, you guys are too adventurous. I don't think I've played magic in a non magic setting ever. <laughs> Close would be like maybe like packs or something where you're just going and there's just randomly like they're giving out starter decks or whatever, like those free decks, and there's just a bunch of people playing. But other than that, no, I haven't. Wait, really... Richard, you took part in that? <laughs> I feel like that's weird. To... <laughs> Wait, what? Really? <laughs> what? No, some friends wanted to play Magic, so I played with them, right? But okay, you know, we didn't bring our own decks, right? But you know, they were giving out the, uh, those right. free. I forgot what they are. Like the, you know, like the, yeah, the, the, they don't have commander decks. They're like sixty card decks of like random stuff, right? Wait, aren't they like forty card decks? Oh yeah, 40, 40, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the, like the standard welcome things, or whatever. yeah, they're they're like a welcome deck or something like that. We used to give but, them but, out, you know. Yeah. It's still a magic -y place because Watsy's there giving out text and it's packs. That's not a far stretch from your LGS. So, no, I haven't really just randomly busted out magic cards at a random place and played before. Yeah, I, I got to say, based on this experience, I might start just keeping a commander deck in my car, like build a cheap budget deck and just leave it in my car because who knows? Apparently, there's magic players everywhere and you never know when the opportunity will arise because I definitely was not intending to play magic at this graduation party. It just kind of happened and it actually ended up being like kind of fun. It was kind of rainy, so you can really do stuff outside. So it actually worked out perfectly. And I got to see a cool deck idea that I'm probably going to steal and lose horribly with on commander clash at some point. So. Okay, how would this group have reacted if you hull breach or wield them? Oh, <laughs> get good kids! Hull breach or wield. Get good kids. Then, then, like then stiff arm a child or something like that. <laughs> Just body slamming through the table, and walk yeah. away. Yeah. Like, yeah, we did it. We we brought another member into the community. Yeah. Well, welcome to Commander. But I mean, how would that table feel exactly about, I don't know, any of the other things we're doing in Commander? <laughs> I, I will say it was kind of enlightening with Thassa's Oracle because I'm used to it. Like I play modern. I played magic a lot. I like all win cons. But seeing my little nephew's reaction, never having seen a card like that before, the like the gut reaction of that's cheating actually 
didn't seem that unreasonable to me because we were like <laughs> just playing a normal game and then all of a sudden it's like this person plays this one card that isn't even it's a one three it's not even impressive how's that gonna hurt me and then they're just like okay win and they start picking up their cards and you're like wait 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 a minute like that's not that's not how magic works so i don't know it definitely kind of turned me more even more against thassa's oracle which i already would be fine with it being banned but uh, i think it is that kind of card definitely seems to be something that is not enjoyable by new players <laughs> Your nephew is a future Jun player. You play a tarot card. <laughs> your opponent goes, you're like, wait a minute, you're cheating. <laughs> I thought we agreed to honorable combat, good sir. <laughs> he he also he's like eight, and he also got to learn a a little lesson about mutate. We were playing last year's uh, Ikoria Commander decks, and he, I explained all the decks, like the theme of them, to him, and he really liked the idea of like making a big monster by obviously because he's eight of like mashing two creatures together. So he was very excited about playing the mutate deck and he kind of like figured out you know the basics of mutate and you put it on this and it gets all the abilities and it's really cool but then someone actually like killed his mutate creature and uh he was he was very heartbroken when he learned that all of your stuff dies uh if you kill a mutate pile so that was that was also pretty fun <laughs> ah, anyway I, all my cards are I, dead <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, the, all it takes is one removal spell. Good old mutate mechanic. Well, you know we don't. Anyway. We, we know we don't play that. So don't worry, things will live. <laughs> yeah, who, who play? Who plays removal? I mean, who, what, what kind of horrible, dirty player plays removal interact, spells in Commander? Yeah, interact with me. Oh no. <laughs> uh, all right, Richard, fish mail us. All right. If you have questions, send them to at mggoldfish with the hashtag mgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Teletran1, uh, do you think Wizards will ever do a soft release of a set on Magic Arena, patch cards for balance, and then do a hard release in paper a few months later? This avoids the issue of printing cards that are different than digital. Hmm. Wait, what's the question? Um... So, so I they, think the idea they is, do like a what beta re- or something on Arena first, and yeah. then they patch the cards and then oh. release the cards in paper. I think that'd be that'd be too difficult, just because of the fact that they do these sets so far ahead, and and bef- and if they want to have like everybody kind of like do like a kind of like how like example Overwatch and all these games they have a PTR that you can kind of like play a month before the release. That's fine because you could do it with those kind of games, but with how Magic works, I I think. Like their their PTR would have to be released like four years in advance, and uh, and I I think that's the the difficulty in that. Yeah, I think the timing would definitely be a big issue with how long it takes them to make magic sets. And I think the other issue is paper makes a lot of money, and I imagine you'd have to spoil the whole set. Then you'd release the whole set online, and then the idea is going to be you like fix some stuff, print it, release it like I assume like six months later or something in paper. I feel like the hype for the set maybe would die down by then. People are going to get really impatient. There's a million new products. We're going to be on like two spoiler seasons into the future. So it might kill people's desire to like purchase the set and like bring down Wizards profits. So maybe they could do some sort of like closed beta where you could like do stuff early. But I'm not even sure how that would end up working with just how far ahead Wizards has to work on sets to get them printed in paper. So cool idea, but. I don't know if it could work in practice. All right. Uh, Taikiki23, do you think we'll ever see Paradise, a legendary land that taps for mana of any color? No downsides. I mean, not, e- yeah. not even like like City of Brass. I mean, I don't even think that's like a that big of a downside. But Yeah, it's like a I City mean, of Brass that's legendary that doesn't cost you a life on activation. 
I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think especially being legendary. I, I when when I first heard this, I hadn't thought about the legendary part. I don't know if they'd print a non-legendary one. I think Are you sure they printed Field I, of the Dead? It's not a power level. I think the power level would be fine. It's more like they have City of Brass, they have Mana Confluence, they have like, if you have an artifact, you get a Painless City of Brass and so forth. There's so many different variants of that that they can print that I feel like if I, they print the, the best possible one, just no drawback, tap to Adamant in any color, then in the future, every time they make like, oh, the artifact version, people are going to be like, oh, like, that's kind of cool, but it's not as good as this. And you just like kill the hype on a lot of future designs. But if it's legendary, that is a drawback, especially for, you know, 60 card formats. Like you can't just play for them necessarily like you would a city of brass. So if it's legendary, I think it would definitely be fine. Non-legendary, I'm more on the fence as whether they would actually do it or not. We have command tower which is effectively this for Commander. So I, I think they will definitely add one somewhere. And, you know, Command Tower is the best land, but you have like 37 lands in your deck. So, you know, you, you still play City of Brass and Mana Confluence and all those things. So I think for Commander, they'll definitely add this. For 60-card formats, I think it's fine. Like, there, there are reasons to play basics. You can't fetch them. I don't think they would run rampant. Uh, we effectively have, like, when you play modern, you have effectively any color mana base you want anyway. So I'm not sure that this really matters. And you still get got by Blood Moon the same regardless. So uh, I, I think it's fine. They, they will definitely print a Lotus Land or something that taps, you know, a Lotus Petal Land. They will definitely do that at some point. Uh, I'm Malkin here. Will the Faceless Haven Book of Exalted Deeds combo be an issue in upcoming standard? You can turn on Haven, Exile, uh, Exalted, target an Angel, and when it goes back to being a land, the opponent now needs land removal. That This is... It, okay, so, like, this becomes a problem, like, once Field of Ruin leaves. Right now, I've seen I've seen a lot of people, like, try that combo out in Standard, and I just... I, I don't care. Like, like because I play, I, I play four Field of Ruins, right? But that's because we have that. Now, if it were as simple as playing, like, Lithiform Blight, That'd be great, but as Lithiform Blight stays on the battlefield, it's something that they can remove in a color that has a lot of enchantment removal. So I myself think that's that could be a concern. That could be a concern. That or any creature land, right? Really. Or no, it has no sorry, it, it it's only the uh that land because it has, it has to be, be an angel, angel to yeah. target. Yeah. 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 Uh, so but yeah, so then I, I see that being a potential problem. I am in wait and see mode. So I think the combo in our current, like standard 2020 post rotation standard, is pretty insane. Yeah, Lithiform Blight can do it. Yeah, I guess Cleansing Wildfire can do it in some random like four mana spells. But there's not a lot of good options for dealing with a land after rotation. I've been playing the combo like crazy in standard 2020. And. Uh, I meant like a 80% win rate across almost 50 best of one matches. It's like absolutely like absurd. It's I I think it's the best deck by far in best of one. In Aren't best you of three though, undefeated. Oh, go ahead. Aren't you undefeated? Because technically it's standard 2022. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I, I don't know who's playing 2020. <laughs> uh, yeah, standard standard 2022. So undefeated, but yes, the deck's really good in future standard, but. We probably get some answers in Innistrad in best of three. 
I think it'll be okay, but you can play sideboard answers to it if it becomes too popular. So I feel like it'll probably be okay, although I am like legitimately worried about best of one. I think that could be one of those cards that ends up being a best of one banning, because in best of one, you can't just play four cleansing wildfires in your sideboard. You can kind of like jump through a lot of hoops and play like wish to tutor something out of your sideboard, but that's going like really, really deep. So we'll have to wait and see what Innistrad brings. Uh, but I lean towards the combo being good, but not problematic in best of three, maybe problematic in best of one. Isn't there always a ghost quarter in standard? Like we hope ghost so. Quarter type Off, well, no, we, we, we did. Do we have standards where they don't put them in? Yeah, we didn't have one um, before this before Field of Ruin. There was a chunk of time right after Ixalan that I think we didn't have it. Right, because I think there was the window like after Ixalan and all that rotated out. Uh, we didn't have Field of Ruin until Theros. Yeah. No, we've definitely had standards without having any option. Although, at the same time, Ghost Quarter has been in Innistrad before. And I assume Wizards, even if they didn't see the Deeds combo, Exalted Deeds combo, usually when there's Creature Lands, Wizards tries to have an answer to Creature Lands. So I'm fully expecting there's going to be something like Ghost Quarter or Field of Ruin or Tectonic Edge even, something like that that's going to show up in Innistrad. So we got to wait and see, but I would be surprised if there was not some sort of ghost quarter effect. What if, but like, what if the answer that they're kind of like expecting us to rely on is cleansing wildfire? Oh, then, then the combo is insane because you got to be in red in specific. Cleansing wildfire isn't that main deckable. Like the draw card makes it like, okay, but it's still not something you're, if you play against mono red or mono white or something, you're going to be pretty sad if you're sitting on, you know, multiple cleansing wildfires and trying to cantrip and blow up a planes and they get another planes. Like that's not very good. So <laughs> I, I think there's got to be more, there's got to be more than that. Or the combo might actually be a problem. Yeah, but it's just so hard to say right now because we don't know what's going to come in Innistrad. Like, it, the combo could be unplayable after Innistrad. If they true. watch him put Sinkhole in standard or Strip Mine, like, if they if they had really good land hate, then the combo is just, like, not even a thing. Like, yeah, like, I, I, I that's my concern right now. It's like, well, where where are they going to go with, the, with Innistrad? However, just without knowing what's in Innistrad and what's available to us right now, I think that, that combo would be problematic. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. That's been my experience in standard 2022. Like it's it's absolutely insane. It beats everything. All right. Last question. Bills fan 6473. Wizards Ooh. claims only 10% of players play events, but what percentage of sales are those 10% directly responsible for? When you think about it, it is likely much higher than 10% when you count for sealed and singles from new sets. I actually don't think the 10% that plays events are the biggest spenders. Some of the biggest spenders that I know of in Magic are people who are collectors, financial types who are trying to, you know, make a profit off of their cards, either short term or long term. They are casual players who have a ton of money and are able to buy whatever they want. The example that would be. Uh, I don't like Hunter Pence with a with the Black Lotus or something like if you got a ton of money and you're someone who isn't like playing in pro tours and you like magic a lot. Why not spend a ton of money to get, you know, the cool blinged out versions of the cards that you like? Uh, so I think that those are actually way bigger spenders than than the spikes. Even yesterday, for example, like one of the one of the kids I ended up playing with at the random graduation party commander game. 
when I met him first, he said, well, I play competitive commander, but then his decks were definitely what I would consider pretty casual. I guess maybe he's trying to win, but it definitely was not like CDH by any extent. Uh, so, so that was one of it. And we were talking about the cards and he was showing me like, oh, his commander legend stuff. And he was like, oh yeah, I bought, you know, a few booster boxes of that just to like get the cards I needed to be able to like build decks with. So I think that casual players actually way outspend competitive players. And that doesn't even include how many like pro level players I know who don't really even buy cards for the most part and get them from their sponsors or borrow them from someone else that they know that has the card. So yeah, I think that 10% is not a huge deal financially either, but I don't, maybe, maybe I'm off base, but that's my take. Yeah. I think the more ingrained you are in the actual like competitive side, the less money you spend. You only buy the good cards, right? You don't, you know, not to buy booster boxes. Those are bad EV. You just buy the singles you need. Um, and you, you spend a lot of money, but not directly to wizards, right? You like buy singles that goes to like, uh, you know, card kingdom or whatever. Right. And you, you just don't chase after like the premium cards as often. Like, I, I don't know, but even then, like, I feel just based on how wizards is doing everything, like they know for sure who spends more and everything is catered towards casual players. Right. And standard, sucks and that doesn't matter events are not firing that doesn't matter secret layers commander everything like that's making all the money like you know the, the focus on say amazon and walmart and stuff like that shows you like where a lot of cards are being sold so i would say it's just enfranchised players trying to feel more important like yeah we're 10 percent, but you know we make up half of the revenue like i don't think so we're probably 10 percent. we make up like five percent of the revenue right i think that's the more likely outcome but that's not to say we're not important right like being super fans has some importance but not necessarily like direct um you know direct money but things like seth right like being an ambassador for the game spreading it at random events where it's not supposed to be uh you know like <laughs> teaching new players things like that right like i think that's the importance of uh, the franchise players dunking on new play <laughs> yeah, dunking on new players showing them hull breacher you know <laughs> Stiff arming people out of the way. Yeah, body slamming, stiff arming. Yes, yes, yes. All, it really reminds all me of fun that Pete Manning SNL stuff. where he's playing with kids. Like that's what Seth was doing. I, I oh yeah. All right, last graduate party commander story. When we, when we killed my little nephew, he almost started to cry. You could see him like tear up. So he, he's still learning how to how to lose a little. So I, maybe I did kind of body slam him. Maybe at least that's how it you felt. You emotionally when he got taken out. I, I just cast a big comet storm and he had a big you know, big mutate creature. So I mean, it was the right thing to do, but I felt a little guilty afterwards when I looked at his face and he was like tearing up. I was like, oh no, oh no, I've never I've never had to deal with this before when I kill someone in a commander game. I'm gonna just start crying in commander clash when you yes. kill me <laughs> this is our next level attack yeah here. put on the puppy seth, eyes for seth don't kill me right hey, i'm about to cast All my right. notion theme <laughs> oh anyway uh, i think that brings us to the end of our cast richard if people want to send in more fish mail where do they send it for next week 
All right, send them on Twitter at uh, the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 337 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. So, until then, have an amazing week, everyone. And this is the crew signing out. Thank you.